Take your Bibles. We're in the book of Revelation chapter 13 this evening. Revelation chapter number 13. We're not going to have any slides if you're looking for those just because they're not been updated for several weeks. We're on the same thing and so I didn't see any reason to keep going through those. Uh, next week we hope to get into chapter 14 and beyond and update some things there. Chapter number 13 of Revelation. Let's go ahead and read the verses. There's 18 verses and uh, we spent about half of the time, uh, half of the chapter last week, or went through half of the chapter last week, try to get through the rest of it this evening. It says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven ho- heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the, names, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave the uh, power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who was like unto the beast? Who was able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations." And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the Lamb's book, excuse me, in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake as a dragon, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth to, and them that which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and delivereth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had, he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast." which had uh, the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, and the image of the beast uh, should both speak and cause them that as many, uh, w- as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Let me just catch us up so we make sure where we're at. Last week we introduced you in the chapter thirteen with the the unholy Trinity. These three characters that are described for us here in chapter number thirteen. Verse number one is the beast out of the sea. 
Uh, we recognized him or identified him as the Antichrist, although not called that in the book of Revelation. Uh, that is the term uh, that he's known by, the beast out of the sea. Uh, we saw the dragon in chapter 13, verse number 2, and of course that is Satan. We saw him in chapter 12 as well. And then there's this beast out of the earth in verse number 11. He's the assistant to the Antichrist, and although not identified in this passage as, we do recognize him and identify him as the false prophet. So you have Satan, you have the beast out of the sea or the Antichrist, you have the beast out of the earth or the false prophet. Now remember, the intent of these three is to interfere with and resist God's plan for redemption. It's always been their effort. We can go back to the, to the Old Testament from the book of Genesis. We see them meddling with things. We see them getting involved. We see them trying to uh, eliminate the, uh, the, 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 the messianic line of Jesus Christ. We see them trying to interfere. And to this day, we see them from that one individual I, I still think, I saw on our prayer list tonight, again, Lily, who represents all of those that were witnessed to at our Prince William County Fair, but this one in particular heard the gospel and something at that moment said, not, made her say, not now. You know what that something was? That's this, that's this unholy uh, 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 works of Satan and, and convincing people that they don't need to do it right now, do it later. And they're still trying to interfere with redemption. And I'm grateful we'll learn at the end of our message this evening that this unholy trinity have a future home that we'll discover in Revelation chapter number 20. Let me give you a little clue. Its initials are called the lake of fire, amen, where they will be forever and ever and ever. That's where their eternal, their future home will be. But this is this unholy trinity. Now, last week we focused primarily on the beast out of the sea, the Antichrist, and what I did is I showed you the, the names, how he's identified throughout the scriptures. Uh, these names are not so much just a title for him, but they describe oftentimes a, a quality of him, a characteristic or an attribute of, the, uh, of this beast out of the sea. Uh, he's known in, out of the book of 1 John and 2 John as the Antichrist. That term means one that opposes God, one that opposes or is against Jesus Christ. He's anti-Christ. Now, there's many individuals that can have the spirit of Antichrist, can live like an Antichrist, but there is one individual that will be the Antichrist. Is he here today? Could he be alive? It's possible. Uh, if we're just, uh, 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 if the Lord were to come back today, then obviously that man is alive today. Or if the Lord still is going to tarry us coming for another hundred or a thousand years, then that man has not arrived on the scene yet. We don't know who it is, but he is an anti-Christ. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, there's three terms we learn. He's called the man of sin. And this is in contrast to the sinless one, Jesus Christ. We would recognize Jesus Christ as sinless. We would recognize the Antichrist, the beast out of the sea, as a man of sin. That's his nature. Uh, he's called the son of perdition there in 1 Thessalonians, which means he is, he is full of evil and wickedness. And then in 1 Thessalonians, Jesus is simply called the wicked. Uh, they just, in, that, in chapter number 2, he's called the wicked. In the book of Daniel, we saw that he was called the little horn 
horn. Uh, you would think of a bull's horn, and the scripture often refer to power, worldly power, especially in a political or military sense. And I'll mention again this evening in just a moment, it appears that the Antichrist, the beast out of sea, that will be, uh, his nature will, will be very political in nature. Uh, he will be used in a political matter. Does not mean that one of our current politicians is the Antichrist, but he will be a political uh, figure for sure. And then in the book of Zechariah, he's known as the idle shepherd. And that word idle, I-D-O-L, is the idea that he's a worthless shepherd. Now the scriptures describe for us a good shepherd. Uh, he gives his life for his sheep. He looks out for his sheep. All these good qualities we would think of a good shepherd, the idle shepherd, the antichrist is opposite. He does not care for his sheep. He does not have their best interest in mind. And so these names or these titles describe for us characteristics of this individual. Now in our text we notice that the dragon and the beast are both worshipped. And it appears that they, people that are worshiping them give allegiance to him because of his great military power and his great verbal power. Look at verse 4 and 5 again. Chapter 13, verse number 4 and 5 says, And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? We believe he will have great military prowess. He will have a, 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 the, the military power behind him. And then verse 5, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Uh, he's got a verbal power about him. I made mention, I believe, last week that uh, back in during the World War II days when Hitler came on the scene, many people believed him to be the Antichrist for these very reasons. He was a great military leader and he was a great verbal uh, individual. He was able to uh, bring the, 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 the nations together through his speaking abilities. And this man will have that same type of power. And meant, the people of the earth will worship him because of these things. But there are some that will not worship the beast. Uh, again, we do know that there will be some that are saved during the tribulation period. Look at verse number 8 with me. Some will not bow to the beast. Some will not worship. It says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So those that their names are not in the Lamb's book of life will participate in worship, which tells us that those that their name is there, that is recorded, there will not. And so there will be resistance to him. There will be a, 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 an enemy to the beast, to the Antichrist. And that's where we get into verse number 9. An interesting statement, isn't it? If any man have an ear, let him hear. Um, in other words, when someone reads this, this is a phrase that is intended to draw your attention, to get your attention. You ever hear, hear a preacher, they're preaching, they've been preaching for 30 or 40 minutes, and they say, now listen, if you get anything tonight, get this next statement. That's like this statement. 
If you've got an ear, you better listen up to this one. Now, I don't believe the target of that verse is necessarily us today, but it's those people of that day, those people in the tribulation period. If they have an ear, they better listen to this. They better hear this. We see this phrase used earlier in the book of Revelation, in chapter number 2 and chapter number 3, in the seven letters to the seven churches of, of Asia Minor. At the conclusion of each of those messages to those seven churches, John writes, if any man have an ear, let him hear. You need to hear what was just stated. But what's interesting, Jesus used this statement multiple times. You you read in the book of Matthew three times, the book of Mark three times, and the book of Luke two times. Jesus used this statement, and so it is a drawing of attention for these individuals to hear this. Now this would be of special importance, I believe, to those Jews of this day that do not bow their knee to the beast, that do not receive the mark of the beast that we'll see here in just a moment. Now, this is just a thought of mine. I have uh, very little uh, to go on this, and I have no idea if this is true, but it is true, I do know this to be true, that all believers will be raptured from the earth prior to the tribulation. Aren't you glad for that? You can say amen there. Uh, These things that we've read and, and seen now are about a little over three and a half years into this tribulation period. It's an awful time, and I'm glad I don't have to experience it. I'm glad I don't have to be there and be a part of that. And what we've seen here, I believe it to be true that there will be people that are born again during the tribulation. People have asked me that multiple times, and I, and I do believe people will be saved during the tribulation period. I happen to believe it's going to be primarily Jewish individuals. Uh, people of a, uh, of a Jewish background that their eyes, the scales are going to be removed from their eyes, and they're going to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Back in chapter 7, we saw 144,000 of them, if you remember, the 144,000 witnesses. Now, imagine someone goes into the tribulation period, their eyes are opened, and they recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, Current believers are gone, but these new believers in the tribulation are present. Now, when believers are raptured prior to the tribulation, let me ask you a question. Do we get to take anything with us to heaven? Um, I, I, rem- I read an, uh, a little joke once. Uh, uh, this man had uh, pleaded with his wife. He says, when I die, put $10,000 in the casket with me. She says, why would I do that? Just do it. Made her promise. So at his funeral, the funeral director saw her up there writing a check for $10,000 to put in his casket. I can guarantee you this, he didn't cash it, did he? You can't take it with you. And that means even the good things. And I was thinking about this. In fact, I, I listened to some preachers on a podcast that, that, uh, that talk about some, some of the deeper matters sometimes and just speculate on some things. And they talked about all the scriptures that will be left in the world when we get raptured out of here. You know, just in my office, I probably have a dozen Bibles And at home, I've got another four or five Bibles. And you probably got Bibles at your house. And just think about this Word of God that will be left. And this world is in disarray. 
Can you imagine Woodbridge at, this, at that time in the tribulation, three and a half years in, things will have been destroyed. And can you imagine someone walking around, getting here, and maybe our buildings just in, and crumbles and stuff, but they're walking around and they might end up in somebody's school desk and pull out a Bible and start thumbing through it. And they get to chapter 13 of Revelation and say, if any man have an ear, let him hear. And verse 10 gives us a key of how they're to combat this, this enemy. Notice how it says, He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now I read that verse and I meditated on it for some time. And I finally looked at a couple of commentaries of some commentators I trust, and I was on the right trail. And really what it's saying here, if you're going to try and fight the beast in a physical matter, you're going to die. You're not going to overcome him. But here's the thing. You fight him by faith, you fight him by trust, and you can win that battle. Now, again, I'm not going to be there. You, I hope, will not be there. But for those Jews, those individuals that see this, they must learn that it is by faith. Now get this, church. Salvation has always and will always be by faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. faith. Is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We go back to the Old Testament, work your way through the, it's faith, it's faith, it's faith. Into this New Testament era where we're at, it's faith. And you get into this time of the, of the last days, of the tribulation and these things, it's still by faith. As we get down to verse number, uh, let me make sure, I, yeah, verse number 11 here. The second beast this false prophet is introduced to us. And all that he's going to do, uh, he's going to have, uh, and I'm going to come back to this thought in verse number 10 in just a moment here, but he's going to exercise all the power of the first beast, verse number 12. He's going to cause the earth and all them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, verse number 12. Uh, he's going to do great wonders, make fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. He's going to deceive them that dwell on the earth. Remember over in the book of 1 Thessalonians, we're shown there that God will cause them to believe a strong delusion. People that, that, that today you would say, I would never believe that, they'll believe it in that day. The deceiver will come, the Holy Spirit will be gone, and they're going to, be, they're going to fall for these things. Uh, verse 15, he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, unto a, a statue of the beast. And the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So we've, we've heard this, you're familiar with the mark of the beast. It's some type of mark that's going to go on the hand, whether literal or some type of implant or in the forehead. Is it a tattoo? 
Is it some type of an implant that goes underneath the skin and it's scanned? Is it a barcode of some sort? Is it the actual number 666? There's all kinds of speculation on it, isn't there? And we don't know for sure, but we do know this, that if you don't receive it, you can't buy, you can't sell, you can't receive, you can't function in this world. You can't participate in this world, and it's going to cause you, as it says there, if you don't bow down to the beast, many should be killed. But again, those that won't do this, won't receive this mark in their, fo- in their hand or in their forehead, that will be an act of faith. That will be trusting God. Believing they're not going to be able to raise up their guns. You will not win that battle. You can go down in a blaze of glory, but you're not going to win. You raise up the sword, you're going to die by the sword. You try to fight back, you're going to die in that fashion. That might seem quite heroic and John Wayne-ish for many of us, but the scripture here is saying, live by faith. Trust God. Now, it would seem that in chapter number 13, with these individuals dying, that, well, they lost. But did they really lose? Look at chapter 15. We'll jump ahead here just for a moment. Chapter 15, verse number 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. This is going to be those vile judgments that we've been waiting on. That's coming in chapter 15. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw as it were, look now, as I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten, get this, the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. Now there is victory, isn't it? Victory doesn't always happen, it is always, isn't always realized in the moment. This was recognized or realized in heaven, or wherever we're describing here in chapter number 15. That's where the victory was. The victory was recognized after their physical deaths, after their earthly lives are done. And so not all victories will be realized here on earth, but they will be realized. And again, this victory came through faith in what God had told them to do. Again, he that hath an ear, let him hear. And these thoughts here of here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now let me end this evening. Turn to Revelation chapter number 20. And we're jumping ahead here quite a bit, but... Talking about these three individuals, this unholy trinity, as much as we have in the last two messages, it it would be good with us to recognize where they end up, where they find their final resting place. In verse number 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast... That's the beast out of the sea, that's the Antichrist, and the false prophet, that's the beast out of the earth of chapter 13, are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. This hasn't happened yet, but it's as good as happened. This is something that has been predicted, has been prophesied, has been stated by the Lord. And one day at the end of that tribulation period, 
And at the end of a millennial reign, so uh, if the rapture happened today, about a thousand and seven years after that, there would be this moment where the beast, Satan, and the false prophet will all be cast into the lake of fire where they will spend the rest of their eternity there with one another and all those that are in the lake of fire. And I certainly... We'll look forward to that day as we get into chapter number 21 and 22. We learn about the new heaven and the new earth. And where we'll spend our eternity, those that know Christ, where they will spend their eternity. So we'll conclude there this evening. Uh, Verse 18 says, here is wisdom. Uh, Chapter 13, verse 18, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for as the number of a man, and his number is 603 score and six. And so we'll get back there. It'll be a few weeks now because of our, I'll be out of town next week and then missions conference coming up. We'll be there in a few weeks again, getting into chapter number 14. But um, these unholy Trinity members, listen, the one that gives them power, Satan, he's the prince and power of this air. He's active today. He'll be even more active in this time during the tribulation because the Spirit of God will be removed. The saints of God will be removed. There will be very little to hold him back and all that he wants to do. But he's busy and active today. And there's only one way you can fight him. In the book of James, it tells us to resist the devil and he will flee from you. And the only way you can resist him is through the power of God's word. He cannot stand to the word of God. And so we bring the word of God against him. It's a sword of the Spirit. And this is where we get our victory. And so let's be faithful to resist him and to fight against him. And uh, uh, let's be faithful to tell others about Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's stand this evening. I'll dismiss us in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. Thank you for your blessings. Give us a good uh, trip home this evening. Watch over us and protect us. Bring us back at the next appointed time. Help us to be faithful servants of yours throughout the remainder of this week, Lord. And we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.